not the car, the band. Brian Wheat of Tesla today on the Music Universe podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you doing, brother? Well, you know what? I'm I'm an action movie fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just trying to enjoy the sequel to 2020 because there seems <laughs> to be more special effects, more loud explosions, more things that aren't supposed to happen, more twists and turns than 2020. Oh my God! Oh, I know it. You know, as I stated in our uh, our. 2021 predictions podcast that it's off to a weird start for sure um it's very uh very different and we never get political but uh as we were starting to prep to record this uh they've voted to impeach trump for the second time oh the vote went through so it's only the second week of the year as we're recording this and it seems that the weirdness is continuing from 2020. So 2021 seems to be a continuation from 2020. So there's your sequel. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, I, uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, well, well, just to kind of, kind of get back to it. I mean, you're right in the middle of it all there in DC. Well, here's the thing. I don't feel like I'm in DC. I feel like I'm in my apartment. Like the thing of it is, <laughs> Good. is, is I am just staying inside. Um, now I guess because of impeachment and because of the riots. So yesterday I had a friend, he was actually supposed to come here to co-host an episode of my other podcast and he was coming in from Virginia. He was coming back. He lives here in the district. He got to downtown and things were blocked off up through the national mall all the way back all the way back and it took him an hour to go a quarter mile wow that sounds like la traffic no it wasn't traffic it was the barricades there there it's back so when i leave uh, as we are recording this i'm actually going back to pennsylvania finally to see a, a grandparent for the holiday and i'm going to be taking the metro tomorrow because that's the quickest shot to Union Station. I'm not screwing around with a lift. I, I even asked my friend to drive me, and he was like, I'm, I'm, I, it's all I'm going to be able to do to go to work and get home from work. There's no way. So, wow. And he left. He visited again today, and, and he left here um, at 2. Normally, he leaves at 3 to get to work. He works a night shift or mid shift at his job. And um, it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy here, buddy. But I love having things like this to escape from it, to make fun of it. Um, I'm not making light when I talk about, uh, like, the sequel. But there does seem to be more action and more violence in 2021. I'm not, I, it's regrettable that people lost their lives, but you have to have levity or we're not going to get through this perilous time in American history. Really, we're not. Uh, I totally agree. You know, you got to keep, uh, Moving forward and look at the for that light that is at the end of the tunnel. Hope it's big and bright and involves me going to Disney World. Okay. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, hopefully, if we're lucky, concerts returning later this year, and uh, you know, I believe him or not, Fauci says uh, that's possible if we can get uh, the majority of Americans vaccinated. I think he said about eighty percent. Um, 
not they're already behind i i don't know if that's going to happen but uh our next guest knows all about touring all too well and uh, the effects that it's you know having on the industry is uh, pretty devastating which we already knew but to you know talk to another artist uh in the realm of rock and roll this time and to hear that uh just shows you how widespread uh this is Yes, Brian Wheat of Tesla, iconic 80s bands. And after talking a little bit about his uh, new book, Son of a Milkman, we really get real about everything from the pandemic to iTunes. It's a really great and jam-packed conversation. So here it is. Brian Wheat, founder of Tesla and uh, new author, Son of a Milkman, My Crazy Life with Tesla. How are you doing, Brian? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Not bad. Well, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you uh, again. And I uh, just wanted to talk, uh, start off about the book, and then we'll kind of get into your career with Tesla and uh, hopefully discuss what uh, what's ahead. So, um, Son of a Milkman, tell us about the book and uh, what inspired you to uh, release it after all these years. Well, the book is my memoirs of my life story, including my life in Tesla. It goes from basically my birth until uh, right around, uh, I want to say, October is when I finished, actually, the last changes I put into it. Um, and what inspired me to do it was it was that time in my life that one probably, if someone's going to write a memoir of their life story, you're 58 years old and you've been in a band for 35 years, it just seemed like the right time to write, you know, a, a, a biography. Now, what was the process like for you? I know you've been open about, you know, talking about your eating disorder was hard to write about. What was it? Were there, what else was hard about it? Were, were there other difficult moments with regard to writing it? There's lots of difficult moments. I mean, you know, I start off the book by saying I was the illegitimate son of the milkman. Hmm. So, uh, you know, that's not that's not something that's casual conversation. Yeah. In the 60s, it was really looked kind of down upon. Right. And my, mo my mom took a, a lot of uh, verbal abuse from her family over it, you know, and society. So uh, and there are lots of things that were hard to talk about. The whole, you know, mm -hmm. the whole book. But, you know, I decided that, you know, early on, if I was going to write a book, that I was going to tell the whole story and the truth the best that I could remember it. And, you know, I also say that, look, this is when it gets into the Tesla stuff, this is how I saw it. This doesn't necessarily mean this is how it happened. This right. is my interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you hope is the biggest takeaway from people reading this book? Well, I think the underlying moral of the story here is that just perseverance, you know, don't give up life throws obstacles at you and you just keep going forward. And if you have a dream, pursue it. Pursue it, pursue it. Yeah. So let's talk about Tesla. You say 30, Five years old, that would make you 23 when you started this band. When you started it, could you ever imagine, you know, you'd be doing it for 30 years? I mean, does a 23-year-old have the have the foresight to plan for the future, or were you just living in the moment? 
I was living in the moment. I don't think any 23 year old has the foresight to, to, uh, you know, think, well, I'll be doing this in, you know, 30 years from now. I don't think, you know, when Paul McCartney and John Lennon were 20 years old, they thought they'd be doing it. I don't think Paul McCartney thought when he was 20 years old at 78, he'd have a number one record in the world again. Yeah. So I just don't think you can fathom that. I think that's just comes and, you know, if you find yourself fortunate enough to be in that place where you are there 30 years later, then you, you know, you can probably write a book, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and being in one of the biggest eighties bands in the world, what were some of the things that um, you guys had to overcome to just hang in there and keep, like you said, persevere through all that bad and, you know, still be doing it today? Well, I mean, we obviously had a breakup in 1995. We had to endure the grunge phase, which kind of made anyone that came out before that, you know, after 1982 or 83, labeled as a hairband or butt rock in a very condescending way we survived that we survived the breakup then we got back together and we've been back together for 20 years now and we've survived just the normal things that any band does i mean it's a marriage and you know you're talking about five guys with five different personalities sometimes different agendas and uh you know it's it's a constant a constant work in progress if you will what what makes a band break up? I know that's a broad question, but we see it all the time. Is it ego? Is it lifestyle? How, how well, does... I think a lot. I think there's a couple things that break bands up, and one of them is they fight over money. Okay, that's that's one of them. Another one is ego. Mm-hmm. Another one is drugs and alcohol. Right. Another one is bands' wives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. So there's there, there's there's several things that make bands break up. Yeah, and, and do you have any? Um, and you know, I know we're talking nearly forty years of memories here, but do you have one favorite memory or a couple that you have had with Tesla that stand out to you? I would say the reunion show was one that really stuck out when we got back together in 2000. That was a, a big, a big thing. Uh, the first time playing with David Lee Roth, our very first show at Tesla was a pretty big thing. You know, there's lots of them. So this book, digging into your personal life, you know, you, you could have written a fluff piece. Everything's great. Band's back together. We're doing music. The decision, to be honest, takes vulnerability. And you touched on it a little earlier, but what what made you just decide to write it in this raw of a fashion? And what did you learn about yourself digging back into that history? Well, I guess what I learned about myself is when you put it out over, you know, this timeline lineage thing that you look at in front of you you realize just how much shit you you know you've been through in your life and you know good and bad you know how fortunate i've been and some of the obstacles i've had to overcome Mm -hmm. so that's what i realized on that 
uh, end of it. And you discuss uh, bulimia, weight issues, and anxiety and depression. That is, uh, and and I know most people don't associate any of that with uh, musicians or rock and roll, but uh, that really plays a big part in a lot of people's lives when when you do this for a living. Yeah, it does. It does. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I wanted to put it in the book that, you know, the kid from, you know, Terre Haute, Indiana, that's maybe a Tesla fan that's suffering from anxiety or depression can see that, you know, he's not alone and that people in, in rock bands or movie actors or it affects everyday people, mm-hmm. you know. Well, the the passages where you talk about your bulimia are very, very interesting to me because we think of that as something that affects only women, as if only women can have... Yeah, I know. I, 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 I've, um, as I've put out this book and been doing interviews, you know, a lot of people have said that, but it doesn't. It affects men, too. Um, and, you know, all the more reason why I put it out there because, you know, uh, people thought it's only, you know, to uh, affects women. Sure. But I think it affects anyone who's in an image-driven profession or even, you know, now with Facebook and, and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all this other shit, everyone's, you know, got all these filters that they put on their their bodies to make them look glamorous and stuff. We live in this fabricated glamour age, and, you know, it's hard to keep up with that. really is. It really, really is. And and speaking of that, how has Tesla, you know, very, very, still a very popular, very relevant band, how have you adapted from the 80s till now with technology? How has that affected your process as a band? Um, well, I mean, back in the 80s, we would record analog mm-hmm. on analog tape machines. And today, you know, we record digitally on digital recorders. Sure. And, you know, back then we didn't have the social media aspect that you have now, which is another thing that you've got to to deal with. Yeah. Have you been um, using lots, lots of different different things? Have you been using social media at all this during this pandemic to engage with fans? Have you been writing? What have you been doing? Since we've been kind yeah, of I mean, staying look, at home, we're, we've been on social media for three years. Yeah, of course. But in the height of our career, we didn't we didn't do that. Of course. Yeah how how important is social media now? I, I'd say more than ever. Well, I think it's probably pretty directly. important because it's like driven the whole country, doesn't it? Didn't yeah. Trump just get taken <laughs> off Twitter? <laughs> yeah, they just nabbed him. But, but isn't that isn't that? Um, what do they call that? Uh, that's like suppression, isn't it? When yeah. you can yeah. take someone off something. Well, yeah, it's censorship. Yeah. They, they, they. We have even European leaders. Yeah, it's censorship. Who... Isn't that what we're trying to avoid? Right. That's what the internet's supposed to avoid. <laughs> Imagine if if music were censored. So, so wait a minute. You, you're, so what they're saying is, if you say something we agree with. We'll leave you on, but if you say something we don't agree with, we'll pull you off. And that <laughs> yeah. is the freedom of 
That yeah. isn't freedom of speech, is it? No, no, it's not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, and yeah, that's that's scary shit, boys. Yeah, yes, I, it is. I agree. Yes, it is. I don't. You know, look, I'm I'm not going to say whether or not I support Trump or not because that's not the issue. The issue is is no matter if it's Trump or Biden or the Ayatollah or Black Lives Matters or Antifa or the Proud Boys or whatever, we live in a country where everyone has the, the freedom to voice their opinion. Yeah. And it seems like that's being taken away. And so when you ask the power of social media, there you have it. Yeah. It's... You know? And it doesn't even go to social media. It goes to the media we're fed and, and on our television sets as well. Yeah. But it's also, which is the point we were kind of driving at, of course, you know, everybody's been on social media for years, is it's also, yeah, you have the the opinions and the suppression and the censorship, but it's also, and it has been during this pandemic, at least we've found in music journalism, a great place for artists to really engage with their fans while they can't be on the Yeah, road. no, it is, but, you know, we've been doing that for years. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not just because of the the pandemic, I mean, we've been reaching out to our fans and, you know, it started with websites, right? Mm-hmm. First it was websites and then it became social media and, and we've been doing that forever. I mean, for the last at least 15 years. I mean, Facebook came in, what, 2006? First was MySpace, yeah. Yeah. right? Then, then from yeah. MySpace, they went to Facebook. And Facebook became the platform that everyone, you know, then it was Twitter and, and then now it's what, TikTok? Yeah. So there's always yeah. something, you know, before, you know, social media was making flyers and putting them on people's cars and parking lots. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it's, that's how I started, right? I'd go to the Kiss show and if I was playing next week, I'd, and there were 5,000 KISS fans at the Memorial Auditorium. I'd plaster their windshield with flyers saying my band City Kid was playing. Mm. And so it's always, it's just evolving. Uh, you know, I don't know where it's going right now. I'm a little bit scary just lately, this last couple of weeks, in terms mm. of, you know, what's going on. I think we're in for a little bit of a roller coaster ride here. I think so, too. But what do yeah. you looking forward to with live shows when they return? you have any dates on the books yet? Man, I'm just looking forward to getting back and playing yeah. in front of people again. You know, I mean, the other thing I don't think people realize is like with Tesla, you know, it, it means we've been unemployed because that is how we make our living. We're not, right. you know, wealthy people. Where when you take your upper escalons, you know, it's not going to affect Paul McCartney. He's got a billion dollars in the bank or Bono or Elton John or, you know, someone like that. But then you have this other level of bands that are basically IE working bands, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's how mm-hmm. they earn their living. So you've got the, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword for us. It's, you know, we haven't had any contact with any people and been able to play or actually even see each other. And then you got it also affecting our income where, you know, the person that works at the bank still working at the bank or the person that's working, you know, at TV is still working at TV because they can work at home or whatever. We can't, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it, I really want to get back and play and I want to get back to just some sense of normality, you know? 
Well, you you hit at the issue, right? Uh, you're out of work. Your songs are very, very popular, a part of American pop culture. But, you know, that streaming revenue, that iTunes revenue, it's a little upside down. You know, most of it goes to the That's bullshit. platform. That whole, that whole thing is bullshit. Yeah. What they pay the artists is ridiculous. I mean, they're raping us. Yeah. You know, we used to get paid a fair wage for our music, whether it was... You know, ASCAP or BMI royalties, if you were on the radio, you got paid four cents per play, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Love Song had 400,000 plays at four cents, you do the math. That's what we got paid. Now they're paying, now they're paying you, you know, a fraction of a cent per Mm -hmm. stream. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's so, so heinously backwards. And you got to remember that when these things were being paid on radio, people were paying for ASCAP rights to be my Well, on iTunes, they're making billions of dollars on subscriptions. Yeah. And they're not sharing it with the artists. I think the upper-level artists are make, cut, going in cutting deals for the super catalogs. But, you know, 90% of the artists aren't getting paid jack shit from Spotify or, or iTunes. No. It's really ruined the music business as, as a business. I mean, it's really sad because, you know, you used to be able to, to make a decent living selling records. And now the only place you can make a living is, is selling concert tickets and T-shirts. Yeah. And then yeah, and so then it forces you to have to make your tickets higher and your T-shirts higher because you still got to earn a decent wage. And, and it, it just puts a bad light on the whole thing. Yeah, it's like you got to work double time to get what you used to just have to work one time for. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mind hard work. Hard work doesn't bother me, but it's it's just not fair, the, the streaming thing. But, you know, look, maybe that's in another book. <laughs> any any thoughts with doing this for so many years and seeing all this technology just e- evolve for the better or worse in this case? Any idea of why they've adjusted the the pay rate to where you guys really see nothing when you used to see something because they got away with it greed i mean they got away with it otherwise it wouldn't be that way why else would jimmy page be going and saying that you know artists need to be paid a fair wage for you know streaming services when you got the man with the second biggest catalog on the planet next to the beatles saying look you know, artists aren't being paid. And he, he's, he's talking about the other artists as well. You know, he's he's speaking for the little guy, which, you know, I admire mm-hmm. the man for. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just the way this business has turned into. And, you know, it's, 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 well, don't get me started. I mean, you know, what can you do? <laughs> hey, you get- sit here and bitch for hours about it. Getting people started is what we like to do on this show. We really love the honest, <laughs> raw opinions. It's because we feel yeah, the same way. Yeah, well, I way. think it's bullshit. I think, you know, it's bullshit what they're doing to the artists. Yeah. Spotify and Apple and, and all of them, all the streaming streaming services. They need to, to pay the artists at least what they were making, you know, with the... Uh, and, 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 you know, they're also taking out the fact that you can, where you can buy... You know, when iTunes first started, you used to be able to download the song and own it. 
for mm-hmm. a buck yeah. a song. And that was a fair mm-hmm. price, right? That was just like going to the record store and buying the single. Right. Yeah. And they took that away. Why? Because they can control the whole thing now and pay the artist shit. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, did you guys have any uh, masters uh, burn or destroyed? In yeah, the our masters fire? got burned in the fire, yes. Yeah, I, I, I haven't I, got a complete list or whatever, and, you know, I, I, that's for us in Universal to sort out one day. Who knows? But, you know. Yeah. I, I suppose the, the best thing we could do is go re-record them. There's no re-recording uh, restriction clause in our contract, and then we can own it. But then you re-record them, and then you put them out, and then they go on streaming, and streaming fucks you. <laughs> well, it's a double-edged sword there, unfortunately. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, I'll tell you something, guys. Uh, two weeks ago, Paul McCartney had a number one record, number one album in the country. It was actually went number one in the world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a number one record, when I my record first came out, my very first record, Mechanical Resonance, sales wise to get a number one album was about six to seven hundred thousand records a week. Wow. He sold thirty one thousand wow. records that week and that put him at number one. And that wasn't yeah. that long ago. It's a horrible right because of the streaming and the yeah. and then and then the people are paying for streaming and not getting paid and you know it's it, I mean you really got to tip your hat to recording artists because we do it for the passion. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right, well, Absolutely. Brian Wheat, what a pleasure to have you. This was great. The book is called The Son of a Milkman. Thank you very much, sir. We really appreciate it. All the best to you with the uh, with the book, and I'm sure we will be out there on the road, seeing you on the road. Very, we'll get very out soon. there soon again, guys. Just keep the faith. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. You know, buddy, that was important, and I wanted the one thing he said was important, and I wanted to delve into it more, but we just didn't have the time. We didn't go for it. He said they're a working band. You know, they're not a band mm-hmm. that can sit on nest egg income. Uh, for a year, for a zillion years. And that's important to remember. Just because somebody's in the public eye, just because they're touring with big bands, just because you know their music, you love their music, you are invested in them, doesn't mean that they're rich. You heard him. He was up front. They had their heyday. Yeah, their songs will be around forever, but in terms of touring, the interest in them as a touring band has diminished. I'd love to... I don't like that. I like their music. But... You know, that's what happens to bands. They become working bands that will book solidly because there is a following, but, you know, they're not mega huge multi-gazillion sellers that, you know, they've essentially won the career lottery. They have name recognition right. and they're thankful for that, but, you know, they're mid-tier in terms of in terms of income and need that performing revenue. And I think that's what people fail to realize within this pandemic is that there are people out there who are hurting who need this income and we might not think that they're hurting because we're familiar with their work. Oh yeah. You know, it, when I lived in Nashville at that time, so 12 years ago, uh, it was talked that if you, um, had a number one record, that was basically guaranteed a million dollars for that songwriter or songwriters. 
Yeah. Now look at it. You know, radio play, it's obviously even tougher to come by. But now due to streaming, I mean, he hit the <laughs> he hit the nail on the head right there saying, you know, it it it's bullshit. Just the payout that they don't receive for it. I mean, you know, and I, I say that in, uh, you know, knowing that a lot of people subscribe to these things and just think about what you're getting and what they're not getting when you subscribe. Now, I'm not telling people don't subscribe. That's not my thing to do anyway. I, I don't subscribe to that stuff myself. I physically buy records and CDs still. But for those that do it, you know, that that's one of those things. You, you are, it, because that's the new model, that's what's going on. So when you do subscribe to those things, you are, you know, not necessarily supporting the artists and the songwriters like you would think. I told you that I ended up getting Apple Music, and I have Amazon Music. I don't remember subscribing to it, but I do have Amazon Music. Mm -hmm. If I like a song that I hear, I then buy it. I don't not buy it, and I think that's right. important. Um, I have it because our job is to listen to music almost constantly, and so I, I look at it as a tool, but I certainly don't agree with them, and a necessary evil. It makes me wonder what model Garth has worked out with Amazon. Yeah, because uh, he's called uh, YouTube and Google the devil. And, uh, yeah. you know, for many, many, many years, up to the last three or four, uh, actually till he launched Ghost Tunes in, what, 14, um, he wasn't available on any downloads or streaming. And uh, only Amazon Music now is where you hear the streaming uh, because he believes in the whole album model. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you buy an album and you listen to it you know, you're going to have your favorites, but ideally you listen to it. When I buy CDs, I don't care if I've heard that CD a thousand times. I'm going to listen to it straight through. That is it for us today. Stay tuned to the Music Universe podcast for more adventures. For the podcast, I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are heard, as well as IGTV and YouTube. And follow us on socials. Take care. Uh -huh.